Hi everyone. Um, this is going to be a bit of a session with a difference. Hannah and I, well, if I'm honest, it was probably more myself <laughs> than Hannah, um, thought it might be a good idea just to pause and halfway through our study and just talk about some of the things that we've been reflecting on in the light of digging into the book of Revelation and just talking about our thoughts and experiences a bit away from the text. Um, thanks to those people that have been getting back to us and giving us some feedback on the sessions and what they've been thinking about too and some of, their, some of the, those ideas will, might inform our chat as well. But this is going to be um, informal. We'll see how it goes, but it's, we'll, we'll just have a conversation um, picking up some of the things that Hannah and I have been talking about in terms of what we've been learning or thinking about in relation to the book of Revelation. Maybe I could, I could start, Hannah, by um, introducing the idea of how, how has um, going through the book of Revelation um, changed or challenged how you think about who Jesus is? Well, I think it's something we've talked about in the sessions that that we often think about Jesus as the, like the human side of who Jesus was and the welcoming children and feeding the masses and whatever. But, um, yeah, Revelation's really giving you that heavenly perspective of the divine Jesus who is God and whose glory, if seen face-to-face, -face, makes you fall down dead yeah, like that, John did. Yeah, that, that passage from Chapter 1 where John's just contemplating Jesus in his holiness, mm -hmm. that had a big impact on me in terms of just thinking through, wow, um, of all, the, of all the people in the world that mm. would respond like that, it, it really had an impact on me thinking through, you know, John could barely breathe in the presence of this person mm. um, and fell down as one dead, just trembling. Yeah. Amazing. Um, yeah, that, that challenge, that challenge that came out of, thinking about that first chapter, and, and you're right, it progresses through every chapter, that picture of Jesus so mysterious but ruling with awesome power. Mm. Um, just just challenging that, that, that idea that we, even though, even though Jesus and relating to him is welcoming and what the things that you've said, that, it's, that we often focus on those personal things about, his love and his humanity, mm -hmm. um, it has approaching him in his holiness like that. There's something uncomfortable about it. I don't know wh whether you feel that. Well, if, if not for grace, it would be very uncomfortable. Yeah. Maybe uncomfortable is the wrong word, but that idea that sort of shakes up your preconceptions. Yeah about who Jesus is. It's like a perspective that perhaps we don't think enough about or we don't contemplate enough. 
that idea that, yeah, we're relating to someone who's a friend and a brother, but he's also a holy king mm. who's um, awesome and magnificent and is dealing with these epic cosmic actions and decisions and events that are all passing through his hands and his rule. And it's just, I don't know, it's a bit mind-blowing. Yeah, it makes me think of that passage about how the whole world was made through him and for him and in him it all holds together or something. Yeah, we read that from Colossians chapter 1. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's true. Um, probably re- related to that idea, um, and this is something that I've been talking to the guys down in um, Melbourne about, um, it's come up in our study down there. Just that, just that idea that 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 tendency in human beings to um, want to create a version of God after their own image. That idea that you create you create ideas, or you, or you go to ideas about God that you're most comfortable with, and then you build up a picture of this yeah. person that you you want to relate to that actually starts to look like you a bit um, yeah. and just just how uh, revelation really breaks through and shatters some of those preconceptions. Yeah. I, I don't know about you, but I, 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 I'm, cha- I'm feeling a bit challenged about, you know, the, the places where you just take him for granted or... or um, I don't know where where, where you, you cut corners or um, you know how 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 overwhelming and total his his demand for holiness is. I found that quite challenging. Yeah, I feel like it can be so easy to slip into relating to God like we are God and He is at our service. Yeah, like, nicely put. And. And he meets our needs and and loves us unconditionally and yeah and yeah that like there is grace but there's also like God is God and that demands proper yeah. reverence yeah yeah you've talked a bit about that idea of recognizing that God is God do you want to say some more about that I feel like it's been the main thing that has come out of studying Revelation for me. I think we just lose sight sometimes that God is self-existent and he is the one who created the whole world and his capacity for everything, knowledge, love, everything is beyond what we can even comprehend. Yeah as human beings and to to know him properly requires him to be the one who makes the first move he has to reveal it because mm. we can't we can't find him on our own if we mm. if we look around the world at circumstances or even if we look inside ourselves at our own feelings we so easily get end up with this distorted picture if we try and work backwards to God from starting with the ourselves world or, or ourselves. The world. Yeah. yeah. And 
yeah, I think my eyes have just been opened, I guess, to the ways which I have done that. I've let my own feelings or the circumstances around me really shape significantly the picture that I have of God. It's sort of like I, I, what, what you're saying makes me think about um, how we relate to God. And, and there is a process that it's, it's always initiated by him revealing himself. Yeah. And then us responding. And it's about, it, I suppose it's, I'm saying the same thing I think that you're expressing to some extent, but in, in other words, that idea that how important revelation is, that revelation is real, that God shows himself to us. And, and what we're called to do is to respond to the things he shows us. And that's, yeah. that's the way that you get to something that's true and solid and that you can build your life on. Yeah. Yeah, I think that idea of, of building a sure foundation on things that God reveals because only that we can know to be absolutely true. It's making me think about that, that um, something that I've been talking to the guys down in Melbourne about um, as well, and that, that idea that um, I really like the way you said it before, how um, it's so easy in our relationship or our walk with the Lord to shift perspective where we become the, the the sort of subject and the and the and the focus and it's like God's there to meet our needs or mm. respond to us or whatever rather than the other way around. Yeah. Um, I, I've heard people say before and probably I have as well you, you know the Christian life is not about finding a place for God in your life. It's mm. about recognizing that he's found a place for you yeah. in his life. Yeah. And and that idea that we're creatures, subjects of a of a great king, called to respond to him day mm. by day, um, and and not sit in that position of um, you know, loving the Lord or deciding to follow him because it makes a lot of sense to us or, yeah. or like it's something that we're in, con- in control of or determining the direction or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think because Revelation is it's a letter to the church as a whole, Yeah. it's really opened my eyes to the way that God is working in, in the world through the corporate church and not just through individuals and that his main game is through us, through the church as a a body of which I'm a tiny part. Yeah. And I I feel like that perspective has really helped put God in his place as God. Yeah. And really see my smallness almost in the context of the church and the whole of history. Yeah. And God being over. Yeah. All of that. I like how you said that. Because it's not as though we're insignificant, but yeah. but our signif- our significance comes from being a part of something much bigger than ourselves. Yeah. And I agree with you. Revelation has opened studying it has opened my eyes again to the fact that we're part of this massive project. Yeah. God's actually drawn us into something 
that's way too big for our brains to comprehend or or whatever. We're watching God do, doing things on a scale that's just mind-blowing. Yeah. Um, but the church is right at the centre of it and our little lives are part of that church. Yeah. What, what else? Maybe we could talk a little bit about that. What else have you found interesting or challenging in terms of the perspective that, that we, we've got about what it means to be a part of God's church from what we've been looking at? Anything there? Um, I feel like the main thing for me, and I'm probably going to be restating things I've already said, has been that um, like this is God's main game. He, he wants to create a people for himself who are washed clean in the blood of Jesus and who can live with him forever and eternity. Yeah. And that's his main purpose, to add to that number and to sanctify the people who are, are part of yeah part of that and that's that's his first priority he wants to save us so he can live in communion with us yeah as a whole and um I know what you were going to say because <laughs> you said it to me the other day it, it, it makes you realise that God's priorities are not always yeah. our priorities. Yeah, that's, that is what I was going to say. And that's when we get the distorted pictures of God because we have different priorities and then we want God to be a different way to what he actually is. Yeah, it makes me think of, I don't know what session it was, um, but towards the end of one of the sessions we were, we were talking about or, or reflecting on how Jesus expresses his rule in heaven and how amazing it is and how powerful and complete and how he's worthy and how he's he's um, conquered and how he's ruling and all of those things. Oh. We were talking about how in the Lord's Prayer we're called to pray, um, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Oh. Um, that had a real, if for, similar, for similar reasons that you're describing, that, that had a real impact on me. As well, just thinking through, what do I mean when I say that? What does it mean that God would um, express his rule through his son on the earth as it is in heaven? Hmm. Um, And what did you come to? um, What does it mean? Well, I suppose suppose the challenge challenge is about... um, taking seriously what it means to be the church, cooperating with his, his kingdom rule on the earth. And, um, you, you know, that recognition, I, I think from the last session that we did, how central the prayers of the saints and proclaiming the gospel are to how he's um, going about his mission to the world, mm. how he's expressing his conquering rule to the world. Um and just am I taking those those things as seriously? Am I part of a church that's taking those things mm. as seriously as he's taking them? And, and maybe the other thing is, you know, going back to those sessions early on from Chapter 2 and 3 where you have him addressing each of the churches and that call to holiness, mm. that corporate call to 
live holy. Mm. Um, don't compromise. Don't forsake your first love. Keep that, you know, that idea of that that fire has to burn. Mm. Um, that's what it means, I think, to for his kingdom come to come on earth as it is in heaven. The significance of our witness. Mm. Um, you know, really living, not just saying it or reading about it or studying it, but really living in that uh, that way that takes holiness seriously, that takes um, our mission to the world seriously, that mm. takes prayer seriously. Mm. Um, uh, I got I got a text during the week from a friend of mine in Bendigo, and he he said one of the things that he he observes in the church is that um, in in the, in modern times is that loss of potency, and I wonder whether some of that loss of potency. What does potency mean? Like like real real power that makes a difference. Mm. Um, whether some of that loss of potency is partly partly due to. Um, the fact that the church needs to return to this the centrality of really praying with faith mm. and and believing that and and living like uh, our our prayers in cooperation with with the great king are making a difference on the earth mm. um, and and taking seriously what it mean, means to proclaim the gospel mm. um the idea, I think, I think part of that too is, you know, maybe because we live in days of modern marketing and whatever else, we have this view of gospel proclamation that it's almost like a marketing exercise, mm. trying to make Jesus attractive to people. Yeah. Whereas that's not coming through in the gospel proclamation in Revelation, is it? it, no. it it's it's about the fact that you you declare something. That the world needs to respond to. Yeah, you're a witness. You're a witness, and you, and you lead the world by your repentance. Yeah. Um, that the gospel is is much more of a challenge than a lure. Yeah. Um, that it's it, it demands people change mm. and respond, and it's interesting when you reflect on it in the light of maybe the Book of Acts and things like that. Very often. Um, Presentations of the gospel finished with people going, "What must we do to be saved? What yeah. what do we need to?" They recognised there was a challenge. They need that needed to change. Hmm. People needed to change and repent. Um, I wonder whether our gospel proclamation has lost some of its potency. Yeah, and how how can how can we really expect anybody to? Um, be really touched by the love of of God in Jesus if they don't really know who God is and who they are. Like if if yeah. they don't know that God is holy, yeah, and that we are so so far from that, so yeah. far removed. How how is it meant to touch them that that what what God did in Jesus to yeah. to reunite. Yeah. 
to be reunited with us. And then, yeah. And that's, that's what the lure part is. Yes. It's Jesus's love, but you need the challenge too. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fierce love, isn't it? Mm. It's not a safe love. It's a fierce love. I I, I love how C.S. Lewis Mm. talks about Aslan in those sorts of ways. Yeah. That idea he's not safe, but he's good. Yeah. He's not a tame lion. Um, Yeah. Love is potent because it's holy. Mm. That's a powerful, powerful thing to think about. We we, we don't, um, yeah. Grace has to begin with a cross, doesn't it? Mm. That that idea that you're forgiven because God's put His whole life on the line and it's cost Him everything. Mm. And the center, you know, the cross is at the center of the story. Um, we, we have to explain the love of God in the context of a life laid down, mm. of a life uh, of the cost to God of. Um, Winning, winning people back for himself. Mm. Yeah. Um, one of the things that was interesting during the week is Papa sent me a message talking about um, prayer in a similar way. We've been talking about a little bit about maybe the proclamation of the gospel, but mm. how revelation challenges, or, or for him he was talking about how it challenges the way that you pray. Mm. You know, we, we tend to pray soft prayers, Mm. self-centered prayers often too, Mm. you know, get me out of this situation or, you know, talking with God about our immediate circumstances. And it's not wrong, Mm. but um, Papa was saying he he heard someone speak from um, a country in Africa, I can't remember where, but this person was just talking about uh, at the end of the presentation, someone from the audience said to to them, how, how should we pray for the church in Africa? Mm. And this person said, don't pray that we'll be safe. Pray that we'll be strong. Mm. And I think, oh, geez, I don't pray enough like that about my own life, let alone the church. Mm. I, fi- I found that really challenging. Um, and I think it, it's so borne out by what, what, what we see in Revelation, you know, those pictures of, God preserving his church in the middle of um, world events going on around that that are just um, awesome and sometimes quite terrible. Um, But um, that that idea that in the the midst of it all, his priorities are not our priorities. It's Mm. not about necessarily keeping Christians safe and comfortable. Yeah. Like like you said before, it's it's he has the the end goal in mind, which mm-hmm. is a people for his name, yeah. and the promise through all of these judgments is not one of you will be lost to God. Yes, mm-hmm. you're, you're safe in that in that perspective, from mm-hmm. that perspective, but it doesn't mean you won't have to lay down your life. Yeah, we don't often contemplate. I think I think we also were talking. I remember that. Um, a little bit when we were looking at chapter two and three and we were contemplating the words to the individual churches and and how confronting it is to read words that are sort of really encouraging the church to die well. Um, Yeah. It's not a way we think. Mm. We've grown up thinking in the Western church or in, you know, relatively 
safe and wealthy Christian countries. I don't know what you think about that. Has that has, has some of that um, yeah, I think you? I think the idea that um, like if God's intention for us is to proclaim the gospel and he is like laid it out so clearly in Revelation that that's going to cause strife. Yeah. <laughs> then why would like why would we pray for things to be comfortable or easy, which we are cons- I consistently do. Yeah. Ask for God to make things easier or less stressful or um, safer. Yeah. But if we want to be a part of what God's doing, then we should be praying for, like what Papa was saying, we should be praying for strength Yeah. as we step into the uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Holy love is not comfortable for the world but for the church either. Hmm. Um, we're not called to a comfortable life. That's a, that's a serious challenge. Um, I've been singing all week, an old um, in my head, um, and out loud a little bit, um, an old chorus that we used to sing years ago at Newport, mm-hmm. um, and it's got a line in it: "When fear is crushing faith, I run into the shelter of your arms." Mm. Um, there is security and safety. Mm. but it's in God, it's in coming to him and in recognising that he'll never let you go, whatever's going on around you. Yeah, the idea that you repeated a lot in the last session was, I think it was the last session, like no matter what happens, we're not lost to God. Yeah. And, yeah, that we're not lost to God has definitely um, jumped back into my consciousness. Yeah, good. Over the last few days. What about if, if we go in a bit of a different direction? What about um, what about studying Revelation in the context of what's going on in the in the world around us at the moment? Has it made you reflect at all on the life that you're seeing all around you and the world around you at this time? Yeah, I I think when it first started happening, I was like, this is a, a new thing. Like, this is something no one in history has ever faced. Like COVID-19. Yeah, COVID-19. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, like, things must be escalating. Like, this seems out of control. But I think as I've reflected and as we've read Revelation, like, this is not a new thing. Like, the disease itself is. Yeah. But people since, like, from the early church days onwards have always faced, like, seemingly out of control and difficult circumstances. I've been reading a book that was written just um, post-World War Two, Yeah. And the sentiment that the is expressed in that book is exactly the same, that people had just gone through two world wars and were like, what, what is going on? Like things seem out of control and it, um, like they experienced a shaking of their faith in a whole new way. Yeah. And the sentiment in the book was that this has been always happening. Yeah. That 
that the world is being allowed to run its course and it it doesn't it sh- doesn't need to shake our foundation at all yeah it's a it's a picture that the new testament um goes to a lot that idea of sh- um the shaking of things yeah that things will be shaken and and things that things that are eternal and lasting in god um will endure mm. and other things will fall away yeah i i, I certainly uh, it, it, in terms of in terms of my lifetime, um, I'm sure we'll look back at 2020 as one of those years of some, where something really profound happened. Yeah. Um, you know, like big political upheaval or 9/11 or whatever. This is one of those um, civilization moments, I mm. suppose. And it's been I found it quite interesting. Um, to watch how vulnerable and, um, uh, you know, th- th- things in the world appear solid. Mm. Life, things like economies and political systems appear so solid and eternal. Mm. But um, it's, it's one of those, one of the things going on at the moment, I think, is people are being forced to contemplate that, um, these systems in the world are not nowhere near as solid as they, that they appear, mm. and we put faith in them and put mm. our security in in these things. Mm. But um, it, it's incredible how how a little invisible bug can stop mm. the world economy. Mm. Um, I, it, I I I see this time as a time of real opportunity for the church. In terms of presenting the truth, mm. that that there's there there is solid answers, mm. and there is um, you know a way that you can build a house on a rock. Mm. Um, I don't know about you, but I've had opportunities at work and even with the with neighbours in little ways to have conversations about things that you wouldn't normally talk about. Yeah. Things that are to do with meaning and what life's all about and security and insecurity and that's those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just reminded me to, I suppose, um, you know, here's a chance to step forward and say some things that are are true and things that, that uh, you know, bear witness mm-hmm. to Jesus and um Call out things that are not true, and that people tend to invest their life in, um, whether it's financial security or your job or, or a political ideology or whatever. So many of these things are being exposed as being quite unreliable. Yeah. I feel like people people want to encourage others by saying it it will return, like the economy will go back to normal, it will be secure again. Yeah, but the encouragement should be it was never secure. Yeah, even though it felt it before. Yeah, and if it feels it again, it doesn't mean it is. Yeah, there is a God is the only sure thing. Yeah, and it might be a strange thing to say, but in a in a in a time where we're having a look at a book called Revelation or Apocalypse that literally means unveiling. 
Mm. In a in a sense, there's been an unveiling of world systems. Mm. Um, it's it's these th- things have been exposed mm. um, that they aren't aren't as reliable or things that that to put your whole faith in. Mm. Um, um, and it, it's caused people to uh, re- recognize the limitations of political leaders, of ideologies, of economic systems mm. or whatever. And, and in a sense, that's gracious yeah. um, because it's an opportunity to um, uh, look in other directions, find answers in other areas for what's true and what's real. Mm. One, one of the things that I've been thinking a lot, a lot about in recent months is um, how how in modern Western societies that the whole nature of truth has been assaulted. You know mm-hmm. things that things that people used to find um, good answers in mm-hmm. have been people are increasingly skeptical about the places they used to go for answers whether it's the church or the media organizations or politicians or whatever and and I being a school teacher and um, listening to students talk about what they trust in or what they believe in it's quite interesting how skeptical young people are about mm. the nature of truth and you know truth ultimately comes down to, which bloggers you're listening to or what you particularly think yep. based on your perspective on the, on the world. Um, so what am I, uh, what, what, what am I trying to, trying to articulate? I, I think it's, it's the idea that um, truth has become something that seems to depend on who you're listening to, on who you trust. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it's always been the way the, the very first sin in the world was Adam and Eve deciding that they wanted to be the judge of good and evil, that they they wanted to know and seek it out for themselves apart from God yeah. and be the judges of what right and wrong is with their limited ability to take in information and to understand it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that that's true, and that's sort of being exposed in a sense. Everyone's trying to be a little Adam and Eve mm. all over the place at, the, at at this time, and and maybe maybe one of the challenges coming out of our study of, of this book is around treasuring the truth mm. and and really coming coming to the Lord about you know He wants us to know what's true. And he wants us to build our life on what's true. And that ultimately is him and his um, person and his work and his plan and his rule. Mm. Um, that That's, you know, Jesus says, doesn't he, I am the way, the truth and the life. Mm. Um, maybe that's just part of what's come home strongly, that truth isn't elusive. It's, yeah. it's real and God wants us to know it. And wants us to share it with other people. Yeah. But do you think truth is something that we only, we know by faith? So one of the things, we haven't got to it in Revelation yet, but it, one of the things that has, 
um, stuck with me is that in the final chapter in heaven or the new heavens and new earth is that the, the world is illuminated by God's presence and we, we are able to see everything in the world in light of his, yeah, his glory. And I, I feel like it's one of those things that are now but not yet. Like yeah. we can experience that now by faith and uh, in eternity we will see it by sight. Yeah, I think that that's true. It reminds me of a C.S. Lewis quote, which I won't be able to say properly, but he, he talks about um, uh, responding to Jesus um, and Jesus being like um, a light and he says, um, it's a light not just that helps me see you but helps me see everything around me th- through through you, yeah. something like that. Um, and I think that that's true. So th- there, there is a sense in which, yes, at some point we will um, physically see reality the way it actually is. Yeah. But you're right, we walk in this world now by faith. Um, and I think it's a really it's a thing that comes strongly out of revelation that that idea that the spirit lives in us and enables us to see the world with literally with God's eyes interpret the world around us with God's eyes mm-hmm. so do you remember we were looking at a couple of sessions ago the um um that passage from Zechariah four about mm-hmm about do not despise the day of small beginnings and Zerubbabel, yeah. Zerubbabel building this humble little version of the temple mm. that actually God was affirming and, and um, blessing mm. and telling, uh, telling the Jews to, you know, it's not by might but by, or by power, but it's by my spirit and, and I'm, I'm in this and I'm, I'm at work in this and it might look, very impressive, but this is right where my life is. Mm-hmm. I think that that's so helpful in terms of how we go out into the world. Um, mm-hmm. You know, all around us, things things will look a particular way, whether it's chaotic or it, it'll look like Jesus isn't in control. Mm-hmm. But if you if you can look with eyes of faith, if you mm-hmm. can walk in step with the spirit he'll give you an ability to see the things that actually really matter and value things for what they truly are yeah and 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 I, and I think that that applies to your own life and relationships you know people that you might have um, brushed over as insignificant mm. god might give you a real heart to recognize their significance and invest in them Mm. um other things that will look spectacular you you won't give a second thought to you know the church and its mission which so much of the time looks quite humble and not particularly impressive Mm. really valuing and treasuring what it means to be god's people together as his church that's something he's got to give you eyes to see yeah. because if you're just looking with your natural eyes, you'll just get disappointed and disillusioned with the church. We need to, mm. we need to confess and repent of um, 
having too low a view of things that God treasures. Mm. Um, and that includes ourselves. It includes um, brothers and sisters around us. Mm. It, it includes all sorts of things. Um, I think that, that you're right, that eyes of faith are the key to living in the world. Mm. Um, we haven't got up to it yet, but one of the other things that I spoke in terms of the book of Revelation, but one of the other things I've been thinking a lot about in relation to the first uh, 11 chapters, and it's sort of related to what we're talking about, is that idea that um, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. I've never, I don't think I've ever really thought much about what that meant. meant. Um, but I'm, as we've gone through Revelation, and I've been thinking about that line, and we'll end up coming across it, that, the, that verse um, in the second half of the book. But that, that idea that um, the testimony of Jesus, the story of who he is and what he did, and the, wit- and the witness to that, mm. th- that is the prophetic message to the world. That's what prophecy is all about, sharing Jesus' heart with the world um, and with the church. And I, So when, when you're saying that, what you're saying is, I think, I'm just trying to clarify in my own mind, that when we get a prophetic word, what we're really receiving is Jesus' heart about something or what Jesus is doing. Or yeah, is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The prophecy's not. I'm saying it strongly in the book of Revelation that that, that prophecy, maybe all the gifts of, that come to us from the Holy Spirit, are really all just expressions of the one life. Yeah. Um, given to us and enable that, that enable us to live um, in the power of His life in the world, and and prophecy, you know you. You, you, so many people read the book of Revelation and it's all about um, calculations and thinking about the end of end times and end events and mm. all, all of that sort of stuff. But essentially what's happening is all of this is an unveiling of Jesus and, in fact, all prophetic words mm. are that. And if they're not that, then they're not meeting the criteria for what prophecy is really supposed to be about. Yeah. Um, that that the unveiling of Jesus, which is what the book of Revelation is, um, is really the commission of the church. The testimony of Jesus is the thing that we bear witness to. Mm. It's our prophetic um, calling to share that with the world. Um, to encourage one another, to find our own individual life in in his life. Mm. Um, And it's maybe just refocused my thinking, Um, thinking about myself, thinking about what it means to encourage brothers and sisters in the church, what it means to um, uh, bear witness to Jesus in the world, In in all of life. That the uh, the Spirit provides for us the testimony of Jesus. Mm. 
Um, everything will point to him. And all, all of life will find its life in his life. Mm. Um, when, when we were putting the podcast together, one of the things that, that we only took about five seconds to work out was mm. um, the title of the podcast, Revelation is Not As Weird As You Might Think. And part of that's perhaps come out of um, my own journey with Revelation over the years. Um, but I, I, I suppose I just wanted to ask you, Hannah, um, a question and then also perhaps a, a challenge as well. What, what, um, what's been your response to, to the book in terms of its, have you found it weird? Have you found it unsettling or how have you, how have you responded to this quite difficult, mysterious um, book? Part one. Um, the other part, the other question that I, I wanted to um, ask you about or challenge you about is um, a good friend of mine, Laurie, uh, got on to me during the week and he said, um, it's so important when, you, when you're reflecting that it's not just about reflecting on your thoughts. It's mm -hmm. about what are you going to do about it? Mm -hmm. what, what action are you going to take? Um, um, in, re in response to what you've been learning? How's it going to change your life? How are you going to live differently? Or, um, uh, And I'd be interested to know how, you, how, how digging into um, Revelation as well has challenged you in terms of how, you, how you're living. Mm. Um, well, I think in response to the first part of the question about... Um, Weirdness. Weirdness, and if it's been unsettling. I think as soon as we started reading, I, I was aware that, at, like, as we were reading it, I could see, like, this could be unsettling. <laughs> like, um, there's, yeah. there's a lot going on here, and this is on a huge scale. And, and if I don't, if I don't, I'm not able to see this as God sees it, then I'm this is gonna be scary probably. Yeah. Or, or people can get fascinated in fascinated about yeah, it in, in the wrong sort of way. Yeah, go down rabbit holes and stuff. Yeah. Um and I I think the challenge for me has been to really seek out God for who he knows himself to be. Yeah. And let him reveal that to me. And I, and then through being able to see him clearly, you can see everything yeah. else clearly. Yeah. And I think that links in with the second part of the question, what the action that I've taken. I think in, in this weird time where we're all self-isolating, it's quite hard to take action on a lot of things. But... Um, the one thing that's not hard is is spending time with the Lord. Yeah. And um, at small my small group recently, um, we did a study on the Sabbath, but what I took away from it was a challenge to spend time 10 minutes every day just being still in God's presence. Yeah. And just 
he might speak to me or I might just reflect on his nature of the things that I know to be true that yeah. he's revealed in the Bible. Yeah. Like just spend time thinking, God, you are God. Yeah. Or God, you created all things. Yeah. Or just something just for 10 minutes every day and just being still in that or even just trying not to think too much at all and just being quiet. Mm. Um, yeah, that's the only real action I've taken so so far. But that's that's helpful. That just just that habit of taking the things that you're learning back to him and and just talking to him about them and um using them as as uh worship or what what whatever you want to um talk to god about or whatever just not yeah. just not keeping them as your thoughts but it becomes a dialogue or um so, something that's drawing you into his life yeah and i think i think taking that action is prob is definitely shaping action, like other actions in probably ways that i'm not really seeing like yeah. when you're allowing the holy spirit to come in and and realign your heart almost yeah like then to walk away from time dedicated to just being in his presence and like things that would often come naturally, like being selfish or being lazy or like it's so much harder that, to then go back or to slip into bad habits when that's yeah. at the forefront of your mind. Yeah. I'd probably say something similar about this period of self-isolation that the challenge for me, um, I think, um, is the challenge not to be passive, mm. you know, to sort of feel as though we're isolated and we can't do anything. Mm. Um, Mum was saying to me the other day, what an amazing opportunity isolation is to mm. spend time with God and and um, um, pray and do, do other things that perhaps the busyness of life would ordinarily overwhelm. Yeah. Um, and... And very much, I think that the, the challenge for me is about um, uh, responding to the urgency that's, that I'm picking up in the book of Revelation about mm. how important life is and the role that we, we've been given to play in relation mm. to bringing God's rule on the earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. Um, to, to lift my faith about the significance of my prayers mm. and the, to lift my faith about the church and how important it is to how God's arranged us to be part of a life with brothers and sisters. And while we're not physically meeting at the moment, um, you're aligning your thinking and your prayer life and um, even doing these podcasts in a way is of, of connecting and serving other people. Mm. Um, lifting my faith about the power of the Holy Spirit to transform and change me and the mm. and through me the world around me. Mm. Um, um, lifting my faith about the fact that God's at work in the world every mm. day um, and that he's got the whole world in his hands yeah. and that he's bringing about his purposes 
um, in, in deep and mysterious ways that we're, we're glimpsing as we're going through this book. Mm. Um, oh, we, might, we might just finish this rambling conversation <laughs> with a prayer. Um, Lord Jesus, we just respond to you as a holy king once again. Thank you for the way you've drawn us to your life. Thank you for your humanity, your deep and passionate love for, for us, that deep in our heart we know. Thank you for everything that you did and accomplished um, so that you might be able to share your life with us forever and ever. Thank you for your holy love that doesn't, tolerate any mixture, mm -hmm. any compromise. Just a thank you for giving us your spirit that enables us to live with you in the world every day. And I just confess on my behalf and maybe lead us in a prayer of confession that um, we, we have so often too small a view of you of your love, but also your holiness and your authority and your power to bring about your purpose. And I just confess that small view and ask that you would continue to expand our view, blow our old parameters and give us a, a new, fresh perspective that, that captures more of the urgency and significance and um, uh, power that is your life and your work. Thank you. And we do acknowledge um, you, are, you are at work in this coronavirus pandemic. You're at work in our lives, in the church, in the communities that we live in and um, we just express again a determination to not find a little place for you in our life, but just live with a thankfulness and a, and a recognition that you've found a place for us in your enormous, earth-shattering, tremendous um, plan for human beings. Thanks for finding us graciously in the midst of that plan for treasuring us and for loving us and just give us a freshness and a, a, new, a new authority and power just to communicate this with others. And we just commit to walking in this way, not just thinking about it, but, but doing it. And we pray again, um, maybe with new eyes, the, the prayer that you called your disciples to pray. Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Mm -hmm.